When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, we are back. It's another edition of Talking Preps. We got a somewhat new crew. We got Gary and Alex from, from football. I got the guru part two, Rick Lewis from basketball, the best trainer I know, Randall Clark, and Chelsea Simple, who you guys know from football. Chelsea, welcome back. Thank you. We got a whole new round of crazy for you. You saw the crazy football, and then we got crazy basketball. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right, here we go. <laughs> Uh, new sound. Gary, before we get started, I got to ask you about your Tar Heels. You hired uh, two new defense coordinators, Gene Chissy coming back, Charlton Warren coming back. Are they going to solve the problems that the Tar Heels have, namely giving up too many points every game like the 38-21 loss to South Carolina? I think it, it could only help. I don't think it can get any worse. <laughs> uh, I think Chizik's a 4-3 guy. I think the personnel they have is better suited to a 4-3 um, now it's on the players. Um, hopefully this will work out. This doesn't work out, then uh, then it must be the players. Wow, must be the players. Um, well, I think it was a good move. I think they had to, to, to make some type of move. I think that, you know, you had a, a Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback and you didn't get to, you know, the college football playoff while you had him. And hopefully Drake May can be the next guy in line for them. But I think I'm just – I'm just looking for improvement. They were getting worse statistically from year one under Mac to year two to year three. They were going in the wrong direction, and you can't do that. Yeah. All right. Well, Gary, we're going to hit the rundown and coming right back to you. uh, Pop-up schools, Gary, are they a risk for student athletes to go to a school where you're going to school one place and playing sports in another place? I think so because you have to worry about – uh, accreditation as far as academics are concerned. Um, you know, when you go through the, the NCAA clearinghouse, you want to make sure that the courses and the curriculum that you've been taking um, meet the standard that colleges are looking for from student athletes. The other thing that concerns me is, and I've heard many college coaches say this, is kids that go to two, three, four high schools during their eligibility are likely to do the same thing when they get to college. The first sign of adversity, they look to go somewhere else. And so um, I think the the minuses outweigh the pluses as far as going to pop-up schools. Rick, your thoughts here? Well, I'd agree. Uh, I think sometimes the parents are looking at the um, athletic side and not the academic side of it as far as a student athlete. Um, I would agree with Gary in that, that assumption. Um, the only thing that really bothers me is when I do hear the college coaches mention that, you know, you know, these kids that are going to two, three, four schools, it's a red flag. But, you know, some of these schools still recruit those players and then 
we're having the same thing happen at the collegiate side now with the transfer portal. You're having kids that will transfer at the drop of hat. So, um, and, and now it's affected high school recruiting because college coaches are now, you know, looking more toward the transfer portal than they mm. are high school athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think it's going to change, Rick? You think we're kind of at the beginning of a sea change in college basketball recruiting? I, th- I think that Jenny's already out of the bottle. I, I don't think it's going to change anywhere back to where it used to be. I, I think it's going to be the norm of what we're seeing today. Um, you're going to see every year record uh, transfers at the high school and also the collegiate level. Wow. Alex, we saw a large fight interrupt the John Wall tournament. You and Chelsea actually were there that day. And uh, the same night, we had two teams shot at a tournament in Salisbury. Are these isolated incidents, or is this something that we really need to pay attention to in terms of high school sports? These are isolated incidents. However, they offer offer us an opportunity to respond in a clear, definitive, and specific way. And what I mean by that is this is – these incidents, however isolated, are quintessential catalysts for us to move forward in creating what I call a staggered admission plan at events that could be at a school or at tournaments like uh, any of these. And what I mean by that is you stagger your ticket distribution to ensure, first and foremost, that players, parents, and families get in, and then to the school participating school communities and then stagger in that way to create means by which number one, first and foremost, you protect the interests of the players, the competing student athletes, parents and families. And then you create another situation by which though it's more likely that those who are at the event, you have some level of supervision and authority over beyond being random individuals at the event. So some type of a staggered admissions plan, Mm -hmm. this is the opportunity, this gives the impetus for that. But these are isolated incidents. And I want to reaffirm for everyone that these incidents had nothing to do with competing student athletes. Let's remind everybody of that. It gives the impetus to do something proactively in how we admit people to events. Yeah, um, I have on the screen a, a, a Facebook post from a teacher, uh, Sandra Mitchell, whose husband, uh, Andrew Mitchell, coached in, in uh, uh, that county for a long time. She was at the game that happened in Salisbury, and you, know, you can read what she said. Chelsea, you were at the John Wall. They had just had a fight between the teams that got a, got a little bit out of hand. Maybe they didn't have enough security. Just your thoughts as a student, what you saw, and, and does that make you less – likely to go to a future event or your, some of your friends saying I might not go to a future event. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I've been to games where I've seen that happen. You know, I trust the security and stuff, but I will say definitely the next day, the following day of the tournament, the security was, you know, much greater. They had, you know, metal detector things, um, the limited mm-hmm. capacity. And I like Alex's idea that was brought up of the staggered admissions. Yeah. You know? I think that really adds to the safety of like, you know, you have trusting parents first and media and then, you know, because it, in the case of the game, it was the audience, the, you know, fans who started that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. Rick, you run a lot of tournaments. I'm going a little off script here, but you run a lot of tournaments. You know, what do we need to do to make sure we keep fans safe and, and, and avoid these types of incidents? Well, unfortunately, I think some of these things are going beyond our control because you can't really, you know, teach, um, you know, people how to behave. Um, 
as far as when they enter the door. I, I do think some of the things that we can do is at high school events, I do think metal detectors is something that should be a must at, at every event that you have at a high school location. And unfortunately, I think we're going to have to have that even at a club team or AAU's type situation as well. All right. Randall, uh, next topic. Big girl surprises this season. Who surprised you? Players? There we go. There we go. We get to talk about some basketball now. <laughs> Brighten up this mood a little bit. Good. Crazy. The first show when we started out all gloomy and doomy for the first eight minutes. Uh, it sounds like they right? Yeah, uh, right. Uh, big surprises. Um, I think boys and, boys and girls, Randall. I didn't mean to say boys girls. and girls. I think you know, I'll start off with the girls and I'll go private school first. I think Providence Day is my big surprise. They're 12 and one right now. Jordan Ladder averaging 12 points, eight rebounds, and uh, you know, Chandler Brooks averaging 11 points and seven rebounds. You know, they're led by two juniors. I don't know if you know, uh, anyone expected them to get off to the great start that they've gotten off to. So on the private side, girls, I would say Providence Day. On the public school girls, I would say Providence High School would be my big surprise. And, yes, I know they're eight and four, but those losses have come to one of one, Charlotte Catholic, Shelby. Like, they've lost to some really, really good teams. And, uh, you know, Jen Bean's got them playing really well, and they're led by point guard Delaney Hill, who's averaging 16 points, three rebounds, and three assists. Uh, I think those two teams have gotten off to a great start. And uh, certainly surprised me so far. Uh, when we talk about the boys, going to the boys, my big surprise on the boys' private school side would be Carmel Christian. And I think with the boys, it's a little bit different because the two Wait, wait, teams, you surprised the team is 15 and 2? That's your surprise. And it's the thing. This is what people are going to – this is why. But this is why. Both my teams are have great records, and they're both my surprises. And this is why. You know, they graduated Ben Burnham last year, you know, coming off a great run. And they just reloaded and, and they got right back to work and they got right back to business. And that team just plays hard and they compete. And I think a lot of people thought that they would get off to a slow start. And, you know, Joe Badgett had them ready for, from go. Uh, and last but certainly not least on my public school side, you know, this the, the biggest surprise to me is 13-0, and 0, uh, dominating once again, you know, the, the <coughs> Weddington Warriors. And I say they're surprised because it baffles me that they're able to dominate the way that they dominate. <laughs> when Weddington comes out to warm up, it doesn't like they're going to beat the they, team. They, yeah, they, they don't have they don't have a ton of size. They don't have a ton of athleticism. Like they don't. But the yeah. best thing about that Weddington team is that every kid on that team understands their role, and that team is a true definition of do your job. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Cook, go make shots. Kyle Frazier, go get on the boards and compete and play hard and keep keep guys off the glass. And Chase Lowe, uh, you know, one of the most underrated players I've seen in a long time, yeah. you know, he, he does a little bit of everything for them. You know, he, he's the catalyst and, you know, he's the, he's the straw that stirs the drink. And, you know, I talk to several college coaches and they, you know, they tell me, uh, you know, they worry about how well he shoots the ball. 
and, and my biggest thing that, that I would say to a lot of these coaches who are coming with programs that don't necessarily win is when I'm rebuilding, let me go get kids that win. Let me go get some winners. And Chase Lowe, no matter how you cut it, is a winner. And I've told plenty of coaches this, like, he's going to make you regret this decision if you don't recruit this kid. Yeah, don't disagree. Chelsea, in Raleigh, who's catching your eye up there, boys and girls? Um, I think for boys, for sure, Broughton, you know, especially seeing them just how they've won this season, you know, gone against big teams in the John Wall tournament. Yeah, yeah. I think the past few seasons, Broughton's kind of hasn't held up to the legacy that they have in previous years, but this season they've really come back and, you know, just kind of looking at the roster at first, it's not something I expected, but I think they play all really well together and they've gotten out with some good wins. Well, and then for right. girls, um, it's Millbrook every year for me. I love that. <laughs> it's always Millbrook. They're so dominant. And, you know, every season they're just able to rebuild that same great team, you know, and build up the players they have. Yeah, so it looks like we may have some Raleigh-Charlotte finals again in 4A probably. Yeah. All right, Gary, Omicron is spreading like crazy, and uh, you have some experience in Omicron. Uh, yeah, uh, I got it last week, about 10 days ago, and kind of felt like the – Common cold. Um, I think the, the the schools are going to just kind of plow through it um, because now students have the option of getting vaccinated. You know, mm -hmm. last season that really wasn't an option. Uh, by the time basketball season started and, and ended, they hadn't gotten around to teenagers being eligible to get the, the vaccine. So, Gary, Gary, I saw in New York where they're going to allow teachers who test positive but have been vaccinated to come to school with masks on and, and still go to school. Do you think that we need to have something like that for high school sports so we can stop all these postponements and cancellations and, and, and let the games go on? Uh, pretty much. Um, I think what, what we've learned – you know, going through these these different ebbs and flow throughout the last 19 months is that um, what are the best practices and, and what doesn't work. And we still haven't really had any cases that we know about where people have gotten um, COVID from playing sports, right. um, maybe in the locker room, maybe on a bus but not in the actual competition. Right, right. So, you know, it's, as long as the kids mask up when they come to the bench, um, I think we're going to have to just go on and plow through it. You know, parents have the option of getting their kids vaccinated if they choose not to, and their kids contact COVID and they have to quarantine for 10 days. Well, you know, that's why you have more than five players on your team. <laughs> That's Alex, why you're on TV. You Alex, just it up. Alex, 30 seconds, your rebuttal. It is what it is. This is a circumstance that's here to stay, and we have to figure out how to operate within them. I think the prevailing focus along the lines of what Gary said is what can we do proactively in terms of implementing best practices, and those best practices transcend the actual competition venue. What are educator coaches and administrators doing to cultivate – practices in terms of how team members conduct themselves and realize that they're a part of a team. Okay. So other than your school and your family responsibilities, that's pretty much what you do. And uh, do you cultivate those practices among your student athletes 
to realize that they're part of something bigger than themselves and uh, they have to be willing to take proactive means throughout a season in all capacities to put themselves in the best possible positions to stay safe for themselves, their families, and their teammates. So that's what it's really about, mm-hmm. not so much the mask issue itself. All right. Uh, Rick, boys basketball state championship favorites in public and private. Putting you on the spot. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I, I did want to mention one thing before we got to that um, on the on the topic of surprise teams. I think this particular coach really needs a shout-out. Coach Armand Moore at Mooresville. Yes, uh, yes. They're currently eleven and one, and the most impressive thing is Mooresville hasn't won eleven games in the last three seasons. So he's sitting um, eleven and one. The only loss came to Cox Mill on a buzzer beater, and um, that was their third game of the week. So I think he's doing a tremendous job at Mooresville, and and probably one of the underrated coaches in the area. I think it's his second year at Mooresville, so he's the one that I would really. Uh, mentioned as far as a surprise team. And I also want to mention um, Central Cabarrus has done a tremendous job. Mm-hmm. Now, on the um, state championship teams, you want me to go with the um, public schools first? or um, Yeah. Okay. On the on the public school side, I think basically at the 4A, uh, we're, we're basically looking at, in my opinion, Weddington and also Chambers. I think Chambers on paper is the best team in the state. Um I think Weddington is one of these teams that they've been together for such a long period of time. They know each other. They have four guys averaging double figures. They just know how to play as a team. So I'm really thinking as far as for the 4A, I'm looking at them as far as being the the, the winner there. uh, I'm not sleeping on North Meg, though. Pardon me? I'm not going to sleep on North Meg. No, I'm not going to sleep on North Meg, but um, I think if you're – to look at the two heavy favorites. I think the one thing about the game that um, Chambers had at North Mech, they haven't beaten North Mech in over five years, and I think they sort of got the monkey off their back on how yeah, to they did. And to go over to North Mech and play in the in the, the that small gym, you know how hot it is. <laughs> North Mech at North Mech is really tremendous. And, um, you know, the one thing that Chambers has done this year, they have played a brutal, brutal non-conference you know, schedule. I mean, they've gone up against the combines of the world, the Burlington schools. They've played a very competitive schedule. And I think them playing all these tough games early, it's going to help them come tournament time because they're going to be battle tested against the best teams in the state. All right. So if I say Central Cabarrus and Farmville Central in 3A and 2A, you going to agree with me on that? You're going to argue. What was that question again? If I say Central Cabarrus in 3A and Farmville Central in 2A, are you going to argue with me of that or, or agree with me? I'm going to agree. Uh, I'm going to agree with you, but I thought did Farmville Central move up to 3A? I don't know. Alex, is Farmville Central 3A now? Local, uh, 2A. 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 Okay. <clears throat> I, I think in the West, it, it's going to come down to West Charlotte and also um, Central Cabarrus. Okay. Okay. I think what it's wide open in the East. And what about in the 1A? Uh, 1A is sort of wide open. It's one of those things that we don't really get a chance to really see as many 1A yeah. possible. Yeah. But, you know, you have uh, Hazel in the West. It's always going to be traditionally strong. And then you have Winston-Salem Prep, who's a, a very good program. And um, Bishop McGinnis is, um, has a nucleus. They've been to the state championship in the last couple of years. So I, I figured those teams from the West will be there. Alex um, likes Bessemer City and Hazel as well. I mentioned Hazel. Yeah, yeah, I think they're going to be good. And then pri- private school, real quick, Rick, who do you like in private schools on the boys' side? You can just give yeah. us the names. 
Um, in the in the 4A, I'm, I'm going with um, Carmel and Greensboro Day. Um, the 3A, I think, is completely wide open. Um, there's no really dominant team. I think High Point Christian has the best record. But don't count out, and you're going to laugh at this with the record, Concord First Assembly is 7-12. and 12. Don't be surprised if they don't come up and make a serious run in the 3A. They played a very aggressive schedule. Um, they played, you know, both Liberty Heights varsity, their regional team. Um, they played combines. I mean, if you look at their losses, they've all come to teams that will probably compete for a state championship. Okay, um, so we give Burlington School the two-way, so tell me about 1A. Pardon me? We can give Burlington School the two-way, so tell me about 1A. You know, 1A is going to come down to United Faith again and also Greenfield. Okay. And right. They've already played once this year, and um, United Faith did travel to Greenfield, and they lost by two points in overtime. Yeah. All right. Randall, girl side. Let's go real quick. Who, uh, I know you like Catholic in the 4A on the girl side. Let's talk. Yeah, I, think Lake, I think Lake Norman's going to give them a run, too, and I wouldn't count Vance out. I think it, that when you talk about 4A, that's a, that's a three-horse three race out of here. Um, you know, I think those are those are the ones we're really looking at as far as 4A goes. Um, Does anybody stick out to you in other private school divisions? I mean, public school divisions? No, not really right now. I, I'm trying to wait now that we're in the conference and really see more, uh, especially in the in the other three uh, classifications. Yeah, well, Alex, then, Alex is doing the rankings now for the state. What do you see, Alex, there in the public schools? Any any favorites in the public school side? There is a chasm at the 4A level, as evidenced by what happened to East Forsyth yesterday. Mm-hmm. East Forsyth went into a game with Charlotte Catholic undefeated, and East Forsyth is a very good team and lost by 36 points. So we, we, we don't. I mean, there's not a whole That's lot. The Blanca of Thomas effect, too. Yes, I mean it's, it's Blanca Thomas. We all know that. I mean, but there's really not a whole lot to talk about at the, at the 4A level. All the right. 3A level. I mean, you, you always have to watch for a freedom kind of team, and and uh, coming out of the. Um, Right before you get to the prime part of the mountains, uh, freedom's always going to be in the mix at that 3A level. I'm very intrigued at the possibility of a 2A women's championship rematch with Shelby and Farmville Central, Um, both with high major recruits on both sides. Uh, Yeah, that could be a great game. Shelby played Chambers down to the wire this year. That that could be really good. What about 1A? Real quick, 1A. 1A, um, Murphy will be back in the mix again. Uh, it's always kind of a wide open kind of deal, but Murphy with Torin Rogers will always have an opportunity. We just have to see how Murphy does. Not the most competitive schedule coming out of the West, but with Torin Rogers, they'll have a chance to get back to the final. Well, I want to bring in the guy who's definitely going to have a shot to win a 4A state championship. We got uh, my man Chase Lowe in the building. How you doing, Chase? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Um, we were talking, you know, about Weddington and how you guys don't look the dominant part coming out the warmups. How is it that you guys are able to beat all these teams game in and game out uh, the way you guys do? You know, I mean, going back to what you said earlier, um, we've all grown up together. You know, I've known pretty much everybody on the team since I've been in sixth, sixth grade, fifth grade. Um, and, you know, we all have a certain love for each other. I think that shows on the court. Um, and then you also got to factor in that our games um, are really cohesive with one another. You know, um, me being able to drive and get in the lane and be able to kick out 
um, to some of the best shooters in the state, the best shooters in the state, AJ and Kyle. Um, I think when you put all that together and then um, add our defensive intensity that we come into each game with, I think that's a recipe for a really good team. Do you feel like you guys are sneaking up on people in 4A? Because I know the, the talk was, oh, they won in 3A, but they can't duplicate this in 4A. Yeah, so we, we actually heard a lot of that um, at the end of last year, you know. Um, yeah, you guys were 18-0, but you guys weren't playing good competition. Um, but when we're playing the right way, I like our chances against anybody. Um, and I think that we've proven that this year, and I think that we'll continue to prove that. All right. Randall, what you got from my man Chase Lowe? Hey, man, listen, I watched this team play Myers Park, and it was actually one of the craziest games I've ever seen because it was one of those games where it was just like, oh, this game is close. Like, this game is close. Cool. Like, And then you look up at the scoreboard, and they were up by 30. Like, <laughs> it, I, I mean, it was just – it was so technical, and it was, like, just so surgical. You know, mm-hmm. they would just score two points, get a stop. Score two points, get a stop. Score three, get a stop. Like, it's it, and, and Chase made the great point of – how good they are defensively. And I think everybody knows what they're going to do defensively. It's no secret. Um, but, you know, Chase is, is, is at the top of that zone, and he, he uses that length, and he, he gets some steals, he gets some deflections, and they just really pressure the heck out of the basketball. And, I mean, I, I, can't, I couldn't agree more with what he said. Chase, thank you for being here with us. I want to follow up on uh, what we've been talking about right here. Uh, you might know, everybody on this panel can tell you that – I'm very excited when it comes to teams that defend very, very well. And and, and your team certainly does that. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about we have several things going on. What is it that drives your team, you and your teammates defensively and the commitment you have on the defensive end? And what do you think? That would mean we hear a lot of talk going back and forth about should we or should we not have a shot clock in high school basketball. Mm -hmm. I feel that we shouldn't because enough teams don't commit to learning and implementing defenses very well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just talk about what fuels your team defensively and your effort and commitment. Yeah. And what do you think that would mean if we were to have a shot clock? Do you think? Um, I'm I'm sorry. You you cut out for that last part. Can, Can you repeat that? Yeah, the last part is, and what do you think it would mean for defenses if we had a shot clock? Do you think there should or shouldn't be one? Yeah, um, I, I, you know, I, I'm indifferent about it. I think it could go either way. Um, I don't think a shot clock would hinder us in any way. I mean, if you look at our um, average possessions per game, we're, we're looking at about 70 around that range. And I think that we take shots pretty quickly um, unless we're trying to, you know, call a specific set. But usually um, our team, we take shots within the first seven, eight seconds of our possessions. So I don't think a shot clock would hinder us. Um, as far as our defense, um, you know, Coach Ellington has done a great job of making sure that we understand that if we're not going to defend at a high level, um, then we're, you're not going to play. Um, and as cliche as it sounds, defense does win championships. And, um, you know, we have – I know I'm averaging three steals. I believe Evans, Evan Morton is averaging three steals as well. Um, and then going from there, we also have a couple guys averaging two steals a game. Um, so it, it's going to be pretty hard to beat us when we have a couple guys um, getting getting multiple steals at every single night. Um, so we just got to keep keep defending at a high level. But you you can hear the culture of that program coming out in his answers. I, I, I'm loving it. 
when I hear him talk like that. But you can tell his coach has had a big impact on how they think and play. Uh, absolutely. All right. Well, Chase, when you come on talking preps, normally that, that normally that means you have to take on Sam Griner. But during football, basketball season, you got to take on Randall Clark. Okay. And Randall, Randall claims he's going to go undefeated. Now, Sam started out saying he's going to go undefeated. It didn't quite happen that way. But we'll, we'll see how Randall does. Randall, are you ready? Let's go. Are you nervous? Not at all. I mean, it's Chase. I'm good. All right. I'm Randall Clark. I am not Sam Griner. You will not beat me on the game show. All right. Chase is a multiple choice answer. Gary has the first question. You're on deck. Oh, all right, Chase. Wait, you gotta wait for that. You gotta read the question first. All right. One of the stars of the popular ABC sitcom Blackish is the daughter of a famous singer. Hey, Diana Ross. (laughs) 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 Randall, what's your answer? It's Diana Ross. That's the right answer. You gotta be quicker than that. You both I didn't. I thought we. I thought he said he <laughs> answer it first, so I was trying to be polite. My bad. Oh, All right, Randall, you you will answer the next question after Chelsea reads the entire question. Yeah, <laughs> good gracious. <laughs> Chase, Chase is just gone, man. Gone. Let's go, Chelsea. Who is the actress that played Kate Bishop on the popular Marvel streaming show Hawkeye? Hint: She was Charlie and Bumblebee. A. Haley Steinfeld. B, Zendaya, C, Anya Taylor-Joy, or D, Maya Hawkey? Randall. Jesus. Oh, don't call him unless you need him. (laughs) We're going to go with D, Maya Hawk. All right. Can I I answer? Yeah, your turn. Oh, it's Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld. It is correct. Chase is in the lead. Randall, you're in trouble already. <laughs> I should have went. I should have went with my first instinct. I definitely thought you that. are in trouble already. Oh man! Right now, Sam be calling his daughters asking for help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, all right, let's go. Uh, Gary has the next question. Chase, you have the answer. Go ahead, Gary. Later this year, DC Comics will debut a new Batman film, The Batman. Who plays the Cape Crusader in this new one? A, Ben Affleck, B, Robert Pattinson, C, Michael Keaton, D, George Clooney. All right, Chase. I'm going to go with B, Robert Pattinson. Randall. I'm going to go back with, I'm going to go back with, uh, let's go Mr. Keaton. Mr. Keaton. Mr. Keaton is playing Batman in the upcoming Flash movie, but Robert Pattinson, Mr. Vampire, is playing. Hey, man, Chase, how you have all this time to watch all these movies, man? You're supposed to be doing school work and working on your craft. You're watching all these movies. Randall, oh, you, you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, Chelsea has the next one. And Randall, you go first. Go, Chelsea. Before he was a boxer, Jake Paul had a top 100 hit with a band oh, called Cream Tide. Name the song. A, I'm going to knock you out. B, it's everyday bro. C, we're taking over. D, do your thing. Round the clock. We're gonna go with. We're gonna go with. Uh, it's every day, bro. All right. We're gonna go with. It's every day, bro. I feel like that's something Jake mm-hmm. Paul. That sounds like a song Jake Paul would make. 
right, Chase. I I think it might be D. Do your thing. The answer is B. Is everyday pro. Randall uh, is down one going into the last question. So Randall, the best you can do is a tie. And Chase, you can take home the championship back the way. All right. All right. All right. So let me make sure I'm getting the right one. Okay. We got uh, Gary's on the question. I got a USC question for Gary, of course. And Chase, you're first up. Saturday, UNC center Amando Baycott had 28 points, 21 rebounds versus University of Virginia. He's the first Tar Heel since whom to have back-to-back 2015 games. A, Antoine Jameson, mm. B, Tyler Hansbrough, C, Sean May, D, Sam Perkins. Chase. Oh, man. Uh, I'll go Antoine Jameson. Antoine Jameson. Randall, who you got? Got to be Psycho T. There's Psycho no way T. Psycho T. Psycho T is the right answer. Was Randall, comes from, Randall comes from two down. He <laughs> was probably first Duke. He comes from two down. Chase, you had him. I had it. I had it. Wow, I thought you had him, Chase. Yeah, you let, you let him I had to give the young fellas. Some, I had to let him let him breathe a little yeah. bit. I wanted to get his confidence up before I came and squashed him like a bug. That's all. Hey, Randall. He is who we thought he was, and he let him off the hook. <laughs> Chase, man, thanks for coming on. Hopefully, have you back later on in the year. You talk, give, give us a preview of the state championship game, all right? Yeah, that sounds good. I appreciate you guys having me. All right, my man, take care. That's my man, Chase Lowe. He's I, good. He's good. Uh, he's a good kid. I coached him uh, when he when he was younger growing up. Good kid. All right, it's time for Chelsea's World, so I'm going to get out of the way. So this week I interviewed freshman from Millbrook men's basketball, Colt Langdon, who I think just off the bat, you know, since his first game against Sanderson has really made that impact, you know, just with their scoring and, again, him being a freshman. So I wanted to talk to him about his translation into high school. He just came back from the John Wall Holiday Tournament and just his thoughts with the program overall. This week, I'm interviewing class of 2025 Millbrook, Millbrook freshman Colt Langdon. So, Cole, I just want to start off. I think we're kind of at a midpoint in the season. Just kind of reflect on how the season's been going so far. Maybe some challenges, some highs, some lows. Anything you guys had to overcome? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I feel like so far our season has been going good. You know, we've had a couple losses, but we've also had some great wins. And I feel like during the losses, we just came in and overcome the challenges and just practice hard. And I feel like we're in a really good place right now with how we've been playing so far. And with conference play starting Friday, I feel like we're in a really good place right now. Yeah. And so kind of talking about those wins versus losses, after a loss, how do you guys bounce back in practice to, you know, Get back, get your head in the game. Yeah, we just come into practice, you know, ready to work. We uh, watch film, learn what we did wrong, and we just try to fix it and get ready for the next game. like that. So we've got some games in this season already. Do you have one that's been your favorite, maybe for personal performance or team performance? Um, I feel like Monday night getting our first win against Clayton after a couple of losses was a really – uh, really fun game. And I feel like my best personal performance was 
when we played uh, Cleveland, I had 27 points. So that was one of my uh, favorite personal performances. So just coming back from the John Wall Holiday Invitational up there at Wake Tech, we got to hear a bit about what that tournament means to you and the environment to play in it. Just kind of talk about, you know, you guys, y'all's experience, you know, at that tournament. Talk about the games a bit. Yeah, our experience was great at the tournament. You know, John Wall is considered one of the best tournaments, you know, in the country. And for it being at Raleigh NC is really special to me. I grew up going to that tournament and I was a ball boy back in fifth grade. So it was really fun to play in it. And I feel like we came in and we played some really great teams in that tournament. And I feel like we played good and we uh, learned what we did wrong and we came back and fixed it. So I just feel like overall the John Wall was a great experience for the team and for me and really for everybody. That's great to hear. And Cole, you're a freshman. You got some high school years ahead of you. What are some of your overall goals? You know, it could be just for this season or way ahead for senior year. Yeah, well, first off, you know, I really want to win a state championship. That'd be really special to me. And some personal goals is I just – I want to break Millbrook's scoring record. I think it's 1,280 or something like that. So that's a goal for me. And uh, But most importantly, I just want to have team success and win as many games as I can and win a state championship. I like that. And with you bringing up state championship, Millbrook was varsity champion last year. Is there any pressure on the team or the program to strive and reach for that success again? Um, you know, I feel like there's not a lot of pressure. I feel like you know, Millbrook's a winning program, and, you know, it'd definitely be great to go back and win one, but, um, yeah, I don't feel like there's a ton of pressure right now. I mean, it'd be great to win another for sure, but I don't really feel pressure. Yeah, and you're kind of already talking about that, but being a freshman on varsity, you know, with such a high program like Millbrook, you know, is there any pressure there? And kind of talk about the translation going into high school basketball. Yeah, the translation so far has been, you know, it's been good. And I don't really feel pressure, but I do definitely want to live up to the standards of Millbrook basketball and, you know, honor all the great players that have played there. And most importantly, I just want to help out my teammates and help out all my seniors, you know, try to get where they want to go. I like that. So for those who don't know you as an athlete, as a basketball player, in your game specifically, how would you compare your game, you know, to maybe another well-known player? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd say I compare my game to, like, Jason Tatum or Kevin Durant. I feel like I can, you know, do a little bit of everything on the court well. I can defend. I can uh, play make. I can score. I feel like I can do everything well. So I feel like, you know, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, those are some of the players that I try to model my game after. That's a comparison. Well, Colt, thank you so much for hopping on. I look forward to watching you on conference play. Again, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, Gary, I got to ask you, uh, we talk about family so often. We have uh, our birth or blood family, and we have basketball families. And, um, Family is very, very important. Uh, one thing that Colt didn't mention in that interview is that his his first high school dunk uh, against Garner makes him a, a family connection here. Uh, his coach, Chris Davis, was an Enlow graduate. And uh, Coach Davis was an Enlow student when your uncle, the legendary Preston McLean, coached at Enlow. So strong family ties there. But his first high school dunk came against Garner, and it was on a young man named Matthew Eaton who happens to be a cousin of Coach Chris Davis. So uh, 
how do you handle situations like that, Coach? Uh, your best player as a ninth grader just dunked on your cousin uh, to help you win a game. And, and you understand family and basketball, uh, but you got holiday seasons that just passed and you got to go to family dinners and a ninth grader just dunked on your cousin. Uh, how do you handle that stuff, Coach? Hey, that's bragging rights. Hey, that's, <laughs> that makes it better. You, know, you, you love being able to talk trash to somebody in your family because that, that extends past basketball season. That's forever. You know, 20 years from now, I'm just saying, remember that time I dunked on so-and-so? You know, that's bragging rights. But, but Chelsea, uh, what I like hearing about in your interview was the fact that he wanted to win a state championship, which is a team goal, mm-hmm. and he wanted to set some school records. Now, by saying you want to set school records, that tells me that he wants to be at that school for a while. And we started out the show talking about kids transferring to different schools. You think he'll stay at Millbrook for all four years? I think so. Um I think Millbrook's one of those schools where the program is, you know, nearly just as good every year. And it's something that you can really go through and through every season, you know, winning games. So I think with that, you know, just the level of the program itself, it's something you stick around for the long term. I'd also like to add that uh, that uh, Colt Langdon is in Millbrook's International Baccalaureate program. So to earn that International Baccalaureate credential is another incentive academically and athletically for him to continue matriculating at 2201 Spring Forest Road. That's awesome. Is the the competition such in Wake County that AAU coaches, handlers won't be in his ear telling him he needs to go play X, Y, Z to get better competition? Or is he going to have enough competition in Wake County to continuously get better over his high school career? I think he will. Um, I think in the new conference they're in the talent already. And I think, you know, with the out-of-conference games that they schedule, you know, with each season, they're able to secure those, you know, challenging games. And also Millbrook is a team, you know, that tournaments want to have invited over. And so, you know, with the John Wall holiday tournament or Millbrook just playing Farmville Central last night coming out with the win, I think they're able to really go against that talent. When all these coaches and so-called handlers are able to come with an offer commensurate with that international baccalaureate credential and the opportunities that Colt will have as an IB student over the next four years, when they're able to come with offers like that, come talk to me then. Other than that, he's there. Great job, Chelsea. Thank you. Thank you, Chelsea. All right, Chelsea, tell everybody how they can get on Chelsea's world. Yeah, so my Twitter is at Chelsea Sipple. If you want to be featured, girls or boys basketball, please reach out to me. My DMs are open to everyone, and I'd love to set something up. And you get to be on the Charlotte Observer, the News and Observer, all their social media handles. There's no place in North Carolina that will give you more, in the Carolinas, period, they give you more exposure than Miss Chelsea on this show. So make sure you reach out. One more time, Chelsea, tell them how. At Chelsea Sipple, hit up my DMs. Hit up her DMs. Well, Chelsea, thanks for coming on. We'll catch you next week. I'll see y'all. All right. All right. So next up, we're going to talk about the Mr. and Ms. Basketball uh, candidates. I heard a lot of people, you know, were asking me when we're going to put this out, when the show is going to come on. I do want to mention before I turn Rick and Randall loose and Alex, there's a kid, Zeke 
Kennedy, Kings Mountain High School, had 49 points on Friday night, five threes. He's had four 30-point games this season, eight of 11 games over 30 points a game. He's averaging 36 points a game on 50% shooting, 41% from three. He's got five, he's averaging 5.3 rebounds and 4.6 assists. I just throw that out. It was sent to me. I thought those numbers were like mind-boggling. But on the back side of this, I'm going to let you guys tell us who are the Mr. Men's Basketball candidates for 2022. Randall and Alex, take it away. Well, I think, you know, based on what where, where we finished last year, you know, we a lot of these names are familiar. Uh, a lot of a lot of these names we've been hearing for a long time. Uh, you know, obviously you start off with Indian Navarre, who is arguably the best player in the state, and in a couple months when we finish this list, could end up being the Miss Basketball. Um, Sarah Strong is a sophomore that we talked about last year. You know, averages a double-double. She's going to be right there. We all know about Blanca Thomas. I think some of the names we don't know are Cassidy Gaddis. who was out 40 at, of the names, 40. Who was out at, yep, who was out at Newton, Newton Conover. Um, she, she's a great two-way player, handles the ball, pressures the ball, and uh, she's finding ways to put the ball in the bucket. Um, you know, Kylie Chavis is another one from out in that Pembroke, Pembroke area who is, is also averaging, you know, 18, 18 a night and, and really filling it up. So I think the good thing about this list is that we have a lot of familiar names from, from all over, but also there are some new names at some smaller places that, you know, we still wanted to, you know, give some credit to. Yeah, Alex, uh, there's some girls that are kind of on the bubble outside of this list that might work their way onto the list as we get into the season. Very much so. Uh, Torrin Rogers from Murphy could be in the mix, uh, particularly that 1A level as we move forward. And and, and there are a few others. I mean, obviously, you, you look at a very unique situation which speaks to the prowess of, of Shelby with uh, both Kate Hollifield and Marasia Pass up here. So it just shows how deep the pool is. I just want to say, I mean, the fact that Torrin Rogers isn't on this list right now and you have two student athletes from one school in Shelby on this list. We are looking at rarefied air mm. right here. What do I mean by that? Maybe not from the class of 2022, but over these next couple years, we are looking at the possibility somebody from this list could <clears throat> put themselves in the all-time greats group for women's wow. basketball in this state. And what and when I say the all-time greats, there are five or six names of, of whom we speak all the time. We're talking Shea Ralph from Terry Sanford out of Fayetteville, Andrea Stenson from uh, North Mecklenburg, who had a legendary career at NC State, Kanika Drakeford of uh, Providence Day. Nope. <coughs> um, then, then we had uh, Rashonda McCants of Asheville High and UNC. Gina Beasley and uh, Sierra Burdick, obviously. I mean, we're, we're talking about rarefied air. Yeah, Ripley Johnson, right Garinger, that list goes on and on. Exactly. And somebody from this group Joy could G. end up in that conversation. Yeah, no, that's, that's strong. And what we're going to do, guys, just like in football, we're going to 
trim the list down. We're going to get to a final three. Hopefully we can feature the final three like we did in football. I and mean, that was a big hit with everybody. I want to make a promise that it's six, not three, but we're definitely going to try to do that. But um, I think it's a really strong list. Uh, Gary, I'm just curious, though. I only see one Charlotte player on here. Does that surprise you? You know, that, that stood out to me, too. And usually, you know, in football, we might have three or four at one school in Charlotte. Yeah. And, and um, you know, the, the football list was so Mecklenburg County area dominant. And this one is is statewide. It's uh, you know it's private and public. It's four A down to one A. So I like the diversity of this list. I really do. Yeah, we'll see how it goes moving on. And uh, we lost Randall, so Rick, you might be on your own <laughs> when I put up the voice. Uh, Randall's have some technical difficulties. All right, Ray, let's find out who you guys have uh, picked on the voice. Uh, let me find it here. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Well, what we have here is a combination of the um, higher profile players and the players that will have an impact in helping their team win a state championship. And I'm going to go through the, the list going seniors to then underclassmen, but starting the boys list is going to be probably the top of the list as far as most rankings. And um, we're going to start off with seven foot Patrick Wessler at combine. Um, he's averaging a double double, but what's really important about this team this year, um, they're still ranked nationally in some polls they are in the top 10. But you have to remember, this is a team that lost Robert Dillingham. Um, they also lost Marion Bodrick and also Bryce Alfino. So they lost three starters off this team, and they're still in the national conversation. And I think, you know, with seven-foot Patrick Wessler and anchor in the paint, he's the reason why. Um, next on my list is 6'9", um, Deontay Green, who's going to Florida State. Um, Deontay Green um, won the state championship for Asheville Christian at the 3A last year. He's having a great year, averaging almost a double-double at 21 points a game and, say, 10 points um, in um, 10 rebounds. Um, next up, we had the young man on earlier. To me, he's one of the classiest young men that I've ever met, and that's 6'5", senior Chase Lowe. And um, Chase Lowe is, exemplifies what it is to be a high school player. Um, and he said he does a, little, does a little bit of everything. And I was looking at his stats. He's averaging 17 points a game almost nine rebounds, four assists, and three steals a game. And they're on a 32-game winning streak, 18 from last year and 14 this year. Um, also, I have Kay Tyson. Uh, Randall mentioned him earlier as far as at Carmel Christian being one of the favorites in the 4A at the private school. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is Jordan Crawford. Um, also, you know, you have to look at North Mech. They lost three seniors last year and also lost Jeremy Gregory. And you look at what Jordan Crawford's done for North Mech this year. Um, he's averaging over 25 points a game. That's um, another player that, again, from the Charlotte area uh, that's a senior is Daniel Sanford. Had the game of his life against North Mech this past Friday night. Yeah. Um, 36 and 7. Pardon me? 36 and 7. Yeah, and I think, you know, they're one of the favorites. So, you know, all the people that I've mentioned so far, I think, have the ability – to lead their team to a state championship. Um, next is Xavier McKelvey at United Faith going to Winthrop. And I think they're one of the favorites in the 1A at the private school level. And then another player that's sort of a do-it-all type player, um, Davis Molnar from Terry Sanford High School is going to Furman, um, averaging 21 points a game, 12 rebounds, three assists, two steals, just a very productive player. So those are the seniors that round out the uh, Mr. Basketball Watch 
Uh, we go down to the junior list. We have a, a tremendous list there. Again, the number one player in our rankings at the um, 2023 class is Freddie DeLeon from Word of God. Um, Word of God is also nationally ranked. I think they're ranked ninth in max preps this particular week. And he may be one of the most complete players in the state of North Carolina. He's averaging 24 points a game, seven rebounds, and almost seven assists per game. So a good rebounding guard in, at 6'5". Um, he's a very talented player. The next one is 6'2", Jalen Curry from Chambers High School. And I do think when Jalen Curry is on and is playing at the top of his game, he's the most electrifying player in the state. And the thing about Jalen is when he's playing his best, I think Chambers will definitely be the favorite to win the state championship. And I think, you know, he's going to be the catalyst to, to take, you know, Chambers to the state championship there. Uh, next guy we have is Silas Demery, who played on Millbrook last year. He won the state championship there at the 4A level. Now he's playing with Liberty Heights, which is one of the better teams in the country. Um Another player that at the junior level um, from Wayne Country Day, and they could compete in the um, Burlington School Invitational at the 2A level. Colin Towner is averaging 23 points a game and also 6.8 rebounds, and he plays for Wayne Country Day. And then rounding out the other um, juniors in the list, um, we have Josh Short from Farmville Central. Um, they've won three state uh, straight state championships, and they're looking for a four-peat. And um, he's having another good year. And then back in the Charlotte area, I'm looking at Jaden Thompson from Central Cabarrus as a Western Carolina offer, averaging 20 points a game, six rebounds, three assists, three steals. And they're 15-0 and this year. And last year, people forget, they were 12-2 and and lost in the state regionals to um, Weddington, who went on to win the state championship. And another player from Central Cabarrus who's having a phenomenal year, and that is Chase Carson, one of the twins. And how about this stat line? 17 points a game, 4.2 assists, four rebounds, and five steals. So he's playing on both ends of the court. And then my top underclassman is as far as a sophomore who has an opportunity to lead them to a state championship. I think they would be a dark horse there. And that would be six, six sophomore Paul McNeil, who's considered the top prospect in North Carolina in the 2024 class. No, he, he's a really special player. Um, Gary, you, you see we got Chris in football, and you see I got the guru in basketball. You see that now, right? Oh, yeah. Got the best there is. I, I'm looking at this list, and I'm like, every year it's schools on here that I have never heard of. Yeah. And and the, the other thing is it, it's so hard to keep up with where these kids are in school because one year – they're in one school, and then the next year they're in another school. That's very true. That's very true. But uh, we're going to keep up with it all year. And uh, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll break down boys' basketball site, girls. You know, we'll, we'll trim it down. We'll come up with a final three feature, and then you let Rick pick out the Mr. Basketball for the year. Rick, what are you going to say to people who are going to say, where's Mikey Williams on your list? Uh, good question. Um I know they play with Vertical Academy, but in my situation is I'm looking at the players that are basically playing in the state of North Carolina. Right. I think with Vertical Academy, they're playing the majority, probably 90% of their games outside the state. And there's really no way for us to really, you know, to gauge, you know, you know, the competition, who they're playing and where they're playing. Um, there's just not a lot of information on them. You know, it, 
we all know he's one of the top players, but as far as the parameters, I was wanting to really go with teams that are basically teams from the North Carolina or players from the state of North Carolina that will have an impact on those teams winning a state championship or in a situation of word of God combine or, you know, Liberty, those type of teams that can play for the hoop state championship with us or can go play, you know, nationally, maybe in a Geico. But, you know, I I was trying to use a criteria that these are, these are players that have an opportunity to lead their team to a state championship at the public school, private school level for the non-association teams, which is in our association with feet on hoops. And those were the criteria that we basically used. I think that makes sense. I think if Mikey Williams and Trey Parker were playing North Carolina on a regular basis, they'd be on the list. I think that's fair. All right, it's time to find out. The other thing people have asked me about was these all North Carolina rankings. They're going to be we're going to have them each week in on Talking Preps, and they'll be uh, in print the following day. So let's get to those. Alex. Well, here are our girls' rankings. Not a lot of surprises at the top. Charlotte Catholic reasserted its prowess with a mammoth win over East Forsyth yesterday. East Forsyth's a good team. I mean, so, I mean, no shame in that outcome right there. But uh, top Charlotte Catholic, Northern Guilford, East Forsyth, pretty much that's status quo right there. And then you move on and you realize here just how strong Charlotte Mecklenburg women's basketball is with three teams, four, five, and six right there. I'd like to apologize to Coach Barbara Nelson from last week. <clears throat> I just had Myers Park and Chambers flip-flop. Myers Park did win that game in overtime. This shows you how close it is. So I apologize for having those two teams flip-flop. But Chambers right there, South Mecklenburg, with uh, our good friend Christy Mitchell doing just a tremendous job once again. And one of the most underrated players in North Carolina is Sonali Moss. She's having Sonali Moss, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. So uh, kudos to South Mecklenburg. It's another example of the strength of that Charlotte Mecklenburg girls basketball landscape. And we have the cluster from Western Wake County and Panther Creek, Apex Friendship and Green Level, all of which are in the same conference. We've got some pivotal matchups among those teams over the next 10 days or so, which will really start to shake out some things and see where we go from here. Shelby, uh, keeping on moving up. Uh, Shelby with two losses to uh, see that CMS group right there. But other than that, just moving right along with uh, Hollifield and Pass, and you can't take a pass on Shelby because they are <laughs> legit top 10, no question about it. I right. uh, We move on down and we see some more familiar names who I just want to remember, you're, you're looking at good teams here, whether we're talking a Garner, Millbrook, Cardinal Gibbons, and Athens Drive, and North Raleigh Christian, all from the uh, Wake County area, then you throw Hillside in from Durham. But look at how they're stacked behind. You see that trio of Wake County teams in seven, eight, and nine. Then you look at a North Mecklenburg and you throw them in the mix there. But look who they're competing with. So, I mean, just a reminder of the depth that we have in play right here and how fun this is going to be going down the stretch. I do yeah, want to. North Mecklenburg Chambers are fit on Friday night. Yeah, yeah. they did. Exactly. 55 at North. Alex. There's one one thing that stands out to me in, in this rankings here that I'm not used to seeing when I see girls basketball rankings is Southeast Raleigh. What's going on over there? Because they 
are usually in the always in the top. Yeah. Well, you have to remember a couple of years ago uh, with uh, Anya Poole's class, that, that was a senior-laden group. And, I mean, they're solid again. And it's just a, a, a tremendous piece of evidence to how, particularly on the western side of the county, Southeast Raleigh set a standard to which other Wake County schools had to espouse and get over the hump. Until teams got over the hump and surpassed Southeast Raleigh, there was no conversation to be had. All of you have heard me say that for years. Until somebody beats Southeast, we have nothing to say. Yep. So it's yep. really a testament to what Southeast Raleigh did for so many years in requiring these other schools to raise their games and their commitments to higher levels. So kudos to Southeast Raleigh. They'll, they'll be in the mix again. It's just that ebb and flow cycle. But in a way, they brought it on themselves because of their success. And that required everyone else to take up their game. <laughs> kind of like uh, independence football in Charlotte Megabird. Exactly. Richard, let's talk boys' side. The boys' side. Um, we're going to start off with Greensboro Day at number one, 18 and two. Their signature win this year was um, at the um, Carmel tip off where they beat um, nationally ranked Oak Hill Academy. Um, coming in at number two is 17 and three. It's the Burlington School, which. Um, Here's the impressive thing about the Burlington School. They've accumulated a, a wealth of talent. You have Kanai Briggs, who's a you know, 6'4 guard, who's already committed to the Charleston Southern, a D1 school, comes off the bench, and he's one of their you know, better players. So they got a lot of depth all the way across and a great young coach in uh, Ryan Bernardi. Um, Weddington checks in number three. Um, we've, we've already talked about Weddington. They got a great coach in Gary Ellington and they just have, they exemplify what high school basketball is all about. And the young man with, um, Chase Lowe is, is about as articulate young man as I've ever, um, listened to, um, in person also on this show. Um, next is Carmel Christian. You know, if you look at Carmel Christian, they're at 16 and two, but two of their losses came to nationally, regional type teams, you know, they lost to John Marshall, another team at the, um, I think the Chick-fil-A. Yeah. yeah. Um, JL Chambers, number five, um, you know, they, you know, some people may get, you got them pretty high. They've lost five games, but when you think about it, they've lost the combine dream city, word of God in Columbus. These are all top quality teams. So they check in at number five, just had the signature win at North Mech. And, you know, you can't drop North Mech too much. They lost in overtime, so they check in at 13-2. and two. Um, Their loss came to Archbishop um, Spalding and to John Wall and also the Chambers. Not too bad there. And then next is Farmville Central, 11-2. and two. They did lose last night to Millbrook, who's a 4A school. It was a very close game. But Farmville Central is doing a, a, what a lot of other teams are doing. They're trying to go out and play more competitive teams, and they were also – um, playing in the John Wall and lost two games to two super teams there. Um, next is Central Cabarrus. It's 15-0, and 0, which um, could be my favorite to win the 3A at the public school level, and probably West Charlotte will have something to say about that. The number nine is Kinston. We all know the history behind Kinston, one of the best 2A programs in the state over the, over the last decade. Number 10 is Richmond at 13-0 and 0 with Paul McNeil. We mentioned him earlier. Um, and also in one of the coaches that we doesn't get enough credit, look at the job that Coach Berger has done at Charlotte Latin. They're again 14 and one year in, year out. 
they don't have the marquee player. You see they, Randall smiling down there when you talk about Charlotte and Rick. You see it? You see that big old grin? Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. You know what? We you know what? We, we very seldom talk about certain players at Charlotte Latin, but each year they come in and they always are a competitive team and they're one of the top teams in the state. It's amazing what he's done at Charlotte Latin. Um, next is Grimsley from Greensboro at 12 and one number 14, Wagon country day. Um, they could challenge the Burlington school on a good day. They've lost, um, you know, some tough games to like, uh, non-association teams like Liberty Heights, but they're for real. Another team that's from the Raleigh area, checks in at 15, is Trinity Academy. They're another 2A school that could challenge um, the Burlington school. Um, their two losses, uh, I think, came to Word of God and Northside Christian. And then a team that could sneak up on some people at number 16 is Providence Day. I think they lost some games earlier. They're starting to sort of um, develop their chemistry a little bit. And then at 17, Gaston Day, Trent McAllister's done a phenomenal job over there this year at Gaston Day. And then 18 is um, West Charlotte, 10-4. and four. Some of those losses came early, and they were also to some really strong teams. And then our you know, favorite also at the um, 1A division is Greenfield, checking in at 13-5. and five. Again, they played a very competitive schedule. It doesn't do you any um, – harm to lose the teams like North Mech, Farmville Central, Wayne Country Day, Moravian Prep, and then and, um, Trinity Academy. So every one of their losses have been significant teams that really helps build their resume up. And then um, some of the other teams from the eastern part of the state, number 20, Wakefield is having a really good year at 12-1. and one. Yeah. Cleveland it is ranked 21 at 11-1. and one. They got a very senior heavy laden team. And then another team from the east is Jordan at 11-2. Audrey Kale at 23, Hendersonville, and then West um, um, Carteret is number 25. But I think we only went to 20. Yeah, we went to 20, but you, you gave away a little bit more. Gary, I'm just curious. I mean, you didn't know anything about these rankings. What's your reaction when you see them? Um, I like the diversity in it. You know, you've, you've got a mix of private school, public school, um, 4A, 3A, 2A, Um. You know, it's about competition. Mm-hmm. You know, you can only play who's on your schedule. And I like the fact that, that Rick is going to pick these schools who go out and play people uh, that they wouldn't normally play in a regular season. I like yeah. the fact that he, he gives credit to schools that go out and challenge themselves during the regular season. Would you like to see Chris do an all-North Carolina football ranking? Gary. Sure, sure. Yeah, as long if he uses the same criteria that that uh, Rick is using, where he's looking at their strength of schedule as opposed to you know just their record, you know, because records can be deceiving if you don't play competition. Yeah, since we debuted this uh, in the paper, a lot of people have been asking me, Are "You going to do it for football?" And I hadn't thought about that. And I said, "I'm talk to the guru and see see what he thinks." All right, it is time. For the number one segment of Talking Preps has always been, and uh, that is Coach versus Coach. Wait a minute, Gary. Gary now in Coach versus Coach. So I'm going to get out of the way, play the play the intro music, and let Alex take it away and see Randall get beat for the second time in one. <laughs> Wait, when was the first time I came back and beat Chase? 
Oh, yeah, you did time. Yeah, exactly. You didn't beat him. You tied him. You tied him. Here we go. Well, my gosh, so much for this week's college football national championship and those head coaches going against each other. You won't see a a, a coach's display that sharp as we just saw on the intro right there with these two gentlemen right here. I I, I am in elite company right here. So I'll do the best I can here. So let's go. We got several things here. All right. So we talked earlier in the show about just playing during a pandemic and where do we go from here? How do we keep the games going? So we have masks and every school system or uh, local education agency has a different rule about it. We, we see it different cities, different counties. Should North Carolina really enforce what is recommended by the NCHSA? I said recommended if you look at their best practices or just punt on it. Uh, Randall, start us off. It has to be one or the other. Like, I'm so tired of going to high school games where the kids are wearing their mask around their chins like it's a chin strap in football. Like, I think that if that's how they're going to wear it, like when you're on the court, you don't have to wear it. When you come to the bench, put your mask on. I think it's as simple as that. Or you just have to strictly enforce, you know, everybody's wearing a mask. It's over your nose. And we're going to have mask breaks like they do in college at the media break, you know. We play eight minute quarters. At four minutes, we're gonna take it. We're gonna take a timeout. It'll be a media timeout to give the kids a mask break. It just has to be one or the other. It's just like I said, like kids wearing their mask below their nose and then even their mouth, like around their. It's just, it's it's pointless. So it has to be one or the other. Gary, I think North Carolina should just punt on it. People have had more than enough time to get vac- vaccinated, boosted flu shots, everything else known to science, okay? It's been proved, it hasn't been proven that uh, these viruses are exchanged through through competition. So therefore I say pun on it. All right. Um, All right, thank you, Go ahead. All right, well, if we get back to the point where we can get back on the court and actually play, whatever we decide to do on that last one, But once we get back on the court, the National Federation of State High School Associations is allowing a 35-second shot clock next season. The NCHSA Board of Directors met in December, and while the the item was discussed, a decision was not made. So there will not be a shot clock in NCHSA competition next year. Should we continue with this, or is a shot clock the way to go? How soon does it have to happen? Gary, start us off. Um, I think, one, if they're, if they're going to go with the shot clock, they need to go ahead and purchase it now while they still got all this COVID money. But here's the problem with the shot clock, is you have to pay a fourth official. Okay, They already don't want to pay for an extra official doing JV games. So you know, during during the course of a game or, or a day, you got to pay a set of officials for JV games, then a set of officials for varsity games. Now you're adding another cost where you have to pay an official to run the shot clock. Um, 
we don't have very many cases where high school teams are holding the ball. Um, most schools shoot within the 35-second shot clock anyway. So I don't think it's a pressing need for a shot clock. As someone who has to teach skill development with this in mind, yeah. on the boys' side and 100%. the girls' side, talk to us. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I think we need it, and this is why. These kids nowadays have no idea about time and score. It blows my mind to watch close games at the end of games. And, you know, you got two minutes left on the clock and, you know, you got guys rushing to jack up threes up six points. Like they don't understand the time and score. And I think when you look at high school basketball, the goal of high school basketball for a lot of these student athletes is to get to the next level. So if we have a shot clock in high school, now we're making that transition to college just a little bit easier for them. I think it's going to improve the game. I don't. I, I do agree with Coach Richmond when he says, you know, we they shoot inside the first thirty-five. I agree. You know, you don't see you don't see a lot of four corners anymore. But I think when you get to the end of the game, and you talk about trying to to hold the ball and understanding time and score situations, I think that's why you need a shot clock because sometimes you know it now becomes in practice where we have to work on it. And you have to work on times where it's, we should get a two-for-one or, you know, understanding, all right, we got this much time left on the clock. This is what we have to do. And, and coming up with plays to execute, you know, from that from that standpoint. Very well, that's on the coach, Randall. If they oh, don't understand time. I agree, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> that's on the coach. My defense, to, my defense to that is, as a coach, it's only so much time I get allotted to practice. And so – now I gotta now I gotta juggle juggle what's important, you know, and, and they're they're still kids. And no matter how many days a week we might work on time and score, you can still come out there and be up by three with 10 seconds to go and have somebody jack one coach. Very that's what the bench is for. I want to follow up. <laughs> that's what the bench is for. <laughs> I want to follow up on something that Randall said and, and Gary asked you about that. Randall made the point about high school basketball for a lot of kids being a means or a catalyst or a springboard for a college basketball opportunity. Gary, do you think that the implementation of a shot clock would be a means of playing or creating rules in such a way where in education-based athletics, we will be creating a rule effectively for 1% of student athletes, the ones who go on to college, is that the way to go in education-based athletics? No, no, because most of them aren't going to play college basketball. So uh, this idea to get them ready for college, you know what gets them ready for college? Putting the ball in the hole. <laughs> uh, getting a, a certain grade point average. Uh, passing that SAT or, or ACT score. That's what gets them ready for college, not shot clock. The coach can get them ready. <laughs> To learn how to play time and score with the bench. <laughs> Jack up a quick shot, you coming to sit beside me. It's that simple. It's simple. All right. It's the All bench. Right. Well, 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 speaking of the bench, we got a lot of people spending a lot of time on the bench when we have quadruple headers <laughs> at basketball. Uh, you got the JV girls, the JV boys, the varsity girls, and the varsity boys. Four games. At one site, 
We've seen everything from seven-minute quarters and the JVs to keep it moving along. We've talked about maybe changing to the, the varsity teams together or JV boys and varsity boys, JV girls, varsity girls. There are 50 different paradigms. You can go with that. But, Randall, start us off. Do you it like all comes the back to, header or should we change it? It all comes back to what Coach said earlier. You look at It's about the money. Uh, and you know, you really have to look like look at will it cost us more money if we have the JV boys and varsity boys at one location and the JV girls and varsity girls at another location. Um, I think it has gotten a little bit better at the games that I've been to. I haven't, you know, had to get home at 11 or 1130 at night this year. So I think the games are moving, moving along. But I mean, I think it, the argument always is comes down to the money and, and you know, if we don't have the money to pay a fourth official to get a shot clock. We probably don't have the money to, to split these officials up to, to have these kids go to different locations to play basketball games. Let me let me let y'all in on a little secret. It's always the official reason is money. <laughs> Unofficial reason why we have four games at one site is administrators want a night off. The assistant principals, the AD, the principal, they want a night off. So if their school is on the road, they can assign one administrator to take that road game, and the rest, rest of them can stay at home and get some rest. Okay? If, if you have games at two different sites, then all administrators are working that night. They're either on the road or they're at home, but they're working. But I've had many a principal tell me, as long as they get a say in it, they want a night off during the week. So they gonna they rather have one long night, which is four games, than working every night because they split up girls and boys. That's the unofficial reason administrators want a night off. <laughs> and there you have it. Two of the brightest, most insightful gentlemen in all of athletics right there. I'll say it today. I'll say it tomorrow. I'll say it always. Randall Clark, Gary Richmond, always a privilege. Thank you, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Enjoy. All right. Well, that was uh, the first edition of Coast versus Coast. That was pretty good. Little, 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 uh, uh, too much agreeance, though. We need more like Grice and Griner, like y'all don't agree. We got to. <laughs> we gotta get you guys going against each other. We'll, we'll work at it. We'll work at it. All right. All right. Well, now we got a new big star to big show. It's time for Randall to give us his final thoughts. Final thoughts. When I look at high school basketball this year, I, I see a lot of kids competing and playing hard. And the one thing that brightens makes me happy when I go watch basketball games is just, just being a good teammate, cheering your team on. No matter what your role on the team is, you're still a member of that team. So no matter if you're, you're upset about playing time or you're upset you're not getting enough shots, number one thing you have to remember is, is be a good teammate. Be there for the other 11, 12, 13 guys on that team, 11, 12, 13 girls on that team. Be a good teammate, support them, and, and help your team win basketball games. 
All right. Well, there you have it. Well, we are back. You guys have asked for talking preps basketball. We're back. We'll see you uh, every Monday night for now. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you next week. I'm Langston. That's Coach Randall. That's Alex Bass. That's the guru, Rick Lewis, the number one voice for high school basketball. We got the number one voice for high school football. Now we got the number one voice for high school basketball. Mm-hmm. And my man, uh, Gary Richmond, who's been great doing football and basketball. We are talking preps, and we'll catch you next week.